When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue our walk down the field on Teach Tapes, and today we're focusing on third down in the open field, and the things that happen on this down certainly range in what you're going to dig into your playbook for and how you're going to prepare for these things, how many of these reps you're going to carry both on your script as well as throughout the week, and a lot of thought that goes into third down. It's a critical down. It's the difference of staying on the field on on defense and having it defend another set of downs. And for the offense, it's moving the chains and getting closer to that scoring zone. So joining me, as he always does, to discuss this is the creator of Teach Tapes, Steve Hauser. Steve, I'm excited to get into this topic of third down today. No doubt, Keith. And and it'll be good to get back on the field and, and walk through, as we've said. But you know, third down to me is back into that special teams mindset of kind of where I plugged in the last few years of my career is, you know, you see some of these guys with their special teams creeds and mentalities and a lot of these shirts, I mean, the one shot, one kill, you get one rep to go out there and execute, do your job, get off the field. Well, that's what third down is to offense and defense, right? There is an immediate impact of what our next situation is of who's controlling the football. So Obviously, we talked about staying in manageable situations. You know, you have the whole playbook in front of you on P and 10 or first and 10. How are we managing the forgotten down of second down to get to this point of, man, what are the situations we're going to see? Is my back against the wall on extra long and long? Or is it, again, more of a manageable situation on medium and short? What am I going to see? How do I react? So let's start with that situation, the third down and extra long. We're looking at 11 plus here as you go deeper into the plus part. Really, the the plays that you have to get that start to diminish. But there's also some strategy to this, too. I mean, you think of it immediately. Well, I want to I want to throw the ball farther down the field to get it. But you still can look to create opportunities to get somebody in space and let them run for the rest of it. So some options here still regardless. But as I said, the playbook the call sheet diminishes in its options and i think part of it is the same thing of uh, i believe you said on second and extra long well how do i try to make two manageable downs to get to third and medium and then get a new set of downs well on third and extra long you're 11 plus for a reason right the last two plays you know pre-snap penalty whatever it is how good are we to overcome those situations i think it was a couple weeks ago in an nfl game i had attorney romo Talk about the L.A. Rams offensive line of like, are they good enough to overcome a penalty on early downs to pass pro on third and extra long? They're probably not. So what are you going to do to react? And, you know, don't let fourth down be another catastrophe. I know selfishly I was always thinking like, man, it's third and extra long. Get, get me to fourth and six so I don't get the house brought on me and I'm in some bastard look that I can't control. Right. So don't make it a catastrophe. Sometimes you're seeing QB run, obviously a lot of screens, like slow screens. Maybe they're pairing it with that fast screen out of the backfield and then having the tunnel screen to the backside. You know, we called it Tar Heel at Oklahoma State because we stole it from North Carolina. But 
know, drop eight, a ton of it you're seeing, right? So people are thinking about, man, how do I just control the situation and, and take what I'm given and, and keep playing the game and not, not let it get out of control? For sure. When you look at this, especially teams that are operating under the premise of we're protecting the quarterback by making sure we get the ball out quick. And you see that at every level today. I think more than I've ever seen teams really focused on that rhythm for the quarterback. And now you talk about a drop eight, all, all kinds of windows being closed down, not necessarily the pressure. What those guys are good at is getting the ball out quickly. So Maybe that's not the best way to handle them. But now when you have them in this situation where you do need to force them to throw the ball further down the field, of course, I said you could get it with a, you know, a, a run after catch. But primarily, your best shot is to get a throw for or at least near that stick. So the run after catch is, is a little bit more manageable with everybody out there converging on it. So there's a lot of things to think about in how you operate in these situations. And it still will go back to technique. What do you want your players to do when they get in this situation? How are they working that run after catch? How are they understanding the ball placement of the quarterback that maybe gives them the opportunity to get into a little space? So those things are all worked during the course of the week. It's not that we've just drawn up a great play. but We also have some fundamentals and techniques behind it. What you're talking about, Keith, is obviously there's a lot of players in these zones, and you're talking about tight windows, whether it's thrown with anticipation whether it's trust in your progression and, and how well you can be versus a three-man rush to, to get to where you need to be. But also, even the receiver, you're, you're going to have some run-after catch opportunities. They're not going to give you you know, those big, big shots over the middle of the field. It's catch-tuck turn. It's put the ball in my opposite hand away from the one the defender's trying to pry it out and make sure I can knife and get vertical and go, right? So there's not time to dance in making sure that we're playing more efficiently. So Obviously, you can impact those at the end of your drills, whether it's making a big contested catch, working the hole shots, right, going from outside to, to get some of those more pockets as you get more defenders on the field. Where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in those cloud areas where you got to be able to find that sweet spot, scramble drill in, in the checkdowns, right? You're talking about running backs getting out in the pass game and now finding ways to create more touches. We talked about it last week in second down of, and the running back, there's so many different little things that you can do, right? The check, the, the chip out the back, the, the pass protection, which we'll talk more from an interior standpoint where they're not getting out in the pass game, but you know, just making sure these guys have versatile skill sets to figure out the situation. I know you tend to focus on special teams and offense, but you did put together a lot of good thoughts here on the defensive side of things and things you need to work here. You mentioned some of these already, that, that scramble drill, being able to then think about how do we contain this this guy. If we're playing a drop eight, I thought before we got going, you made a good point. Well, this is just like, this is just like punt. You can still affect it. You can still affect that pass, even though you don't have a full rush. So I'd love to hear the thoughts that you put together in that regard on defense. Sure. Obviously, the, the big buzzword these days is the simulated pressures, right? How do I still impact the guy with the ball in his hands and have my cake and eat it too and have some extra droppers and still have ways to cover these explosive playmakers and not live and die on these one-on-one -on -one plays? You're not seeing those one-on-one -on -one opportunities in third and extra long because the players are too good. There's too much space. Why would you have such an advantage on defense and give yourself those opportunities to be shut down? So you got guys like Pat Tony who are doing a great job at Florida of having these backers, you know, standing up, dropping out, making sure, hey, touch the guard, 
in that 5-0 money protection, fall back out, and now you're getting the running back in because you can control the protection with the look. I mean, I lived it in a more simplified world with punt, punt, return because you know they're punting the dang ball. You know, you got your fingers crossed 99% of the time. That's what they should be doing. But again, you know who's blocking you. You can get to the launch point of bashing that guy through the two-man shield in that front side A gap, but also have a short edge backside, have your outside, outside foot up, step replace, and trim it to the launch point, not to where, where the punter is. So how many guys do you really need rushing to have a real chance at the block? And you can still set up your best holdup guys because you know those aren't the guys that they're playing with an offense and defense. You've got to use them somewhere. So now you've got a chance to get a little bit of both, that combo rush return. It's the same thing with the simulated pressures on defense. And when you get into those situations where you're not rushing as many guys, what you do is open those lanes up a little bit for the quarterback. And it's not necessarily that he's going to scramble, but that he's able to step up into a clean pocket, have clean vision, and have a better look down the field to make some of these throws too. So thoughts on just being able to constrict those lanes a little bit, handle moving this guy maybe laterally instead of up into the pocket because it, you know, it's going to cut down his ability, the space he's throwing to, and you know, make people now running him down a little bit more effective than when he just steps up into a pocket and it looks like a seven-on-seven seven now. Everybody's revolutionary comment with the fancy suit on the broadcast TV is, how do you beat Tom Brady as a four-man interior pass rush, right? So you still have guys covering. You constrict him stepping up into the pocket. Well, as simple as it is, if, if you can able to constrict that pocket, how do you make a guy's heartbeat faster and take a little bit of his mental capacity away from his put somebody in his lap? Well, it's not as simple as just saying my three techniques going to beat your guard. You're seeing a lot of good things on you're still getting guys in coverage. You have your numbers in space to match up with these playmakers, but interior twist games that now that NT or TN, now you're getting that defensive end is understanding, man, I'm truly isolated on this side and he has that interior move. So we're working in tandem because that spy player is going to take over that outside edge. But again, how do we make that guy feel uncomfortable where he can't step up and be within, you know, those equipment managers walking forward with those agility bags, like it's seven on seven, right? right? Cause now I've still got the edge from depth. So I've got a spy guy. I'm getting two birds with one stone, and I've set up a complimentary D-line pass rush. That's definitely not the, the thick neck world that's down in the trenches. It's not my MO. But you heard Brandon Staley talk about it on one of these teach tape clips of how much better that defensive line is when they work complementary to each other and they understand what the move is of that player they're working alongside. So they can set each other up and be complimentary and all of them have success. It's not just one guy going in with a certain move. And I know I'm making it oversimplified, but just that communication of understanding how everybody's talents can set up each other. So moving forward into the third and 10 to seven, things are a little bit more manageable here, especially as you get towards the seven things come into play like quick game, the timing of the plays, hitting some of those intermediate routes uh, are a little bit more manageable and a situation now, though, on defense that they're probably looking at some different tools here. So what you might be able to count on if you get into a few of those situations, maybe seeing the same thing in those situations, now you're probably going to get some more variety in what you're going to have to face on the third and seven to ten. And definitely more the true passing down the, the old school thought of you're seeing zero and cover one from the defense and being able to pin their ears back and know what they're getting more often. But 
you're also trying to think if, again, if I got a middle field close look and I've got a single receiver, there's a beautiful rep of Florida early in the game, clean, easy, great technique of running a six-step speed out right on the marker, and you're beating one guy in off coverage and the rest of it's put to bet. Three-step rhythm and timing throw, man, awesome. Now on the other side, you get a little bit more into the red zone, and we'll get to that next week, but everyone's got their chair concept of the two five-yard ends coming from the outside receiver and number three running that corner to the back pylon, that outside receiver, you can't trick off that route and just start lackadaisically going back because Florida almost got one picked with that corner falling off into the corner route. So it's understanding how important that route is. One, can I get the ball out on time and eliminate all these rush threats and the quarterback can be focused with his read. But man, if there's things that is, there's really like a trash or rat, a spy, that's falling out because someone's not doing their job with their fundamentals and technique of holding that field corner down. Well, that's going to be catastrophe for everybody. And the quarterback should feel he's got an open void there, but somebody's not a real threat. And now there's a rat underneath. It's so important. It's what you talked about just being complimentary, like you were with the defensive lineman that these receivers have to be complimentary to each other too. And understand that I may not be getting the ball. You know, we've talked about this a, a couple of times in different aspects of it, but, you know, you still have to do your job. You still have to do it exactly as you know, you've been coached to do it. Otherwise, somebody else is going to get in the mix, be involved in the play, and it's it's not the picture that you want. If we kind of relate it back to that extra long situation, why are you not seeing as much amplified pressure looks in the extra long? Is because the defense doesn't have to. They've earned the advantage to have the trump card, to have the pen last, however you want to say it. Well, now when you do have that moment of, man, I'm going to go leave my mark because I've got a juicy situation in front of me from the defensive standpoint, what everyone's figuring out is, man, the, the whole players, the spy players, these quarterbacks are just as dynamic with the ball in their hands. You know, I, I said it to Keith earlier before the episode, but, you know, my special teams background, if you're playing cover one, rushing five, and having someone for the back, well – what you've now done is left the quarterback one-on-one -on -one isolated with the free safety in a run fit. Cause it's, it's the old school man kick return of your frontline guys are blocking two, three, and four. You're inserting for five and you got your second level players going up to trash or up to one. You get something sweet. It's hitting and everybody's covered man to man. And it's a big field out there. So it, it's hard enough to tackle a guy like Anthony Richardson or, or Jaden Daniels, never mind one-on-one -on -one when other guys have their backs turned. So I think it's interesting of, man, how are you trying to get home with these different rush packages? But also understand it. I mean, you got guys like number 40 at LSU who are making elite plays, bending the edge on the strip sack at the end of the game against Arkansas. But he also had one earlier with loose carriage. You know, you see these drills with the Giants on um, Daniel Jones, two hands on the ball, Peyton Manning talking to these guys at the Manning Passing Academy. How important Kevin O'Connell, right, at the QB Collective stuff. There's a reason this keeps coming up in training with elite quarterbacks and, and just reminders when things are quiet, how important that ball carriage is for the quarterback. To, to note the pressure one more time, Keith, there's a great drill. I think it's actually with Matt Patricia's group in Detroit. Their guru, the, the new Ernie Adams guy, is I believe his name is Evan, Evan Rothstein. And going through, you could actually see him working with the linebackers in Detroit of going through an ammo X of picking the slide side player and having that penetrator be thin and redirecting up because a lot of times he's the last player to ricochet off the loopers getting taken over by the man side guard but now they're able to see it as a linebacker if i go pick the slide side if it's away 
then I'm going to be the looper. So you can see that drill and they're just getting those reps of ricocheting and winning back vertical. It's really good to see how guys are reading the pressures of who's going to set each other up. Moving things forward, if I'm going to be in third down now, these next two areas are the ones I'd like to be in. Certainly would love to be in first and second down more often than third, but you practice for these. These are the bulk of your calls. You try to stay in manageable situations so that you're going to be six yards or less. So the third medium definitely gets a lot of attention, both in the game plan and in the practice plan. The biggest thing that I saw with the medium looks, Keith, is now you got to be sound versus base run. you got to be able to play more your, not generic, but standard calls, things that you've got a lot of options to. Arkansas was interesting. As soon as they got into this medium and short world, a lot more likely to see tempo, right? Get back to their turbo, one-word calls. They're putting you in a, a quads or some exaggerated look where it's really simple to them of running inside zone or a QB outside lead play, making sure you have a lot of communication with a quads bunch look or whatever their standard Kendall Bryles spread run game type is. But also now they're able to fall into that. LSU kept Jaden Daniels on the move. When is the moment biggest? They're going to keep that guy on the move. Like when the two point play against Alabama sprint, sprint eight, right? QB, the little rub concept, you know, with the slot stacked receiver and just getting to the sticks. Now, obviously you're seeing a little bit of versatility more on the D line with the stunts and and getting some interior pass rush. But from a technique standpoint, one of the things I thought was really impressive was Auburn safeties. Obviously all the turmoil there the last few weeks, they do an an elite job of, of having those different disguises. I mean, you're seeing guys buzzing off the hash and looking like it's going to be two man and then rocking one of those safeties back into like a Rover or a deep spy from the safety. And the other one's now flipping his hips on a man turn and getting back to middle of the field close. You're still playing man underneath and all of it looks similar with that whole player because you're only rushing four, but man, that safety interaction of a two man look versus a one with a spy, two totally different situations for the quarterback. And I thought it was really a detail standpoint that that kind of showed through on their game tape. Yeah. I didn't get to see those reps, but with what you're talking about there, that really makes the picture difficult when you do it well. And as you're talking about some of that post snap movement, something that you can keep disguised, you still have all your coverage intact. So it's not like a situation where you're playing some zones and trying to buzz the things. And and sometimes you can get those indicators off of cheats in alignment just to be able to to make sure you cover those things. But now I think when you get in that kind of situation, that definitely makes it a little bit tougher, changes the picture for the quarterback, et cetera. And one, one last thing I had in my notes here from the Florida looks, I mean, you're seeing a lot of flat contours, you know, getting into some more speed rush situations with two defensive linemen on the field and more, big skill bodies for rush attempts on these long and extra long looks in a third and medium Florida just fired that roll safety all the way down the running back. I mean, you're seeing you're scanning for any safety late, but I mean, a little bit of it's out of sight, out of mind after they're one to two and they're already starting to get into their concept for their release. Well, they had a safety rep just coming from depth and timing that thing up. I mean, you think about like the Jabril peppers type player of, making sure you can get down into the box and add in. I mean, Deontay Buchanan's made a career out of that in the NFL of coming from Washington state to the Arizona Cardinals and being these like Tony Jefferson with the, with the Broncos, right? 
there's these guys that can now be elite pass rushers from this Jamal Adams, right? The safety pressures are a whole nother ball uh, of wax in the NFL game. So it's just showing like, man, you can create pressures without wholesaling your opportunity to cover these players in space. But, you know, cross training these guys, whether it's those backers from those flat walked up looks, that's why you're seeing a lot of boundary cloud, at least in, in the game I watched of Florida this week, to make sure that those backers, when they're dropping out from that tucked up look at the line of scrimmage, they're not having to go curl flat. It's a lot more hook curl players where they're getting vertical out because that corner's helping them just from that initial structure. So just again, it's pieces. There's a great clip of Pat Graham when he was with the Giants with Joe Judge of an interview when they first got there. And he's coming straight from the New England world. He's like, three, four, don't care, right? Two deep, middle field close, don't care. It's football. It's covering, you know, how do you stop vertical run lanes and how do you match receivers running from vertical? Again, it's just players in grass. And if we understand the techniques and components and what the traits are that are necessary to play them, it's just putting people in different positions. So I think when you think about that Belichick world of, matching up game plans and being really specific. If you have the underlying techniques, you can put players in different positions as long as you've trained those fundamentals and techniques early on. So I think that fits some of the Florida stuff that we're talking about there as well. Moving the ball up third and short, one to three yards. This certainly is something that I think has evolved here over time for a number of reasons. First being that uh, we've, we're going for it a lot more on fourth down in places on the field that weren't expected. So sometimes this becomes either take a shot, and I know I saw that a couple times this past weekend, take a shot on this down, and then come back and get it with uh, another play, especially if you're sitting on that that third and one or less than one. And then still, seeing the passing game, I think a little bit more often than you would maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, where the thought was, let's get our big bodies in the game, line up, go mano y mano, and and see who's uh, who's the tougher team right here. You know, this is the time you got to get it. All those kinds of things that used to be a part of it. Well, I think guys are looking for what's the best way to get this first down. Like we might not be able to manhandle them every single time we get into this situation. So you are seeing a lot more variety, I feel, than you did in the past. And I'll take that one step further: is who's got the pen now at the start of the play? Well, it's the offense. Some of the time, you know, and, and again, I kind of gravitated to that Arkansas LSU game just because the, the offenses aren't, you know, what you'd expect from Arkansas and LSU and the, the mashing SEC world that you expect. I mean, playing with a lot of players in space, the dynamic quarterback play, like Arkansas went a lot of tempo on third and short because they just had a positive play, right? There's a reason they're moving. They're trying to keep base personnel on the field and not let them get fresh defensive linemen in or, or make an exotic pressure to come in here and, and to control the game. You're seeing empty, I mean, jet stick draw, right, versus drop eight. You're seeing quick game. Again, just making sure they can have something that's simple and straightforward but still presents a conflict. You know, in the backed-up episode, Keith, we talked about Alabama versus Tennessee and, and Bryce Young being in a lot of empty sets, whether they start in empty and bring the running back back they start in a 10 personnel look and send the running back out and just create different alignments. You're seeing space getting created for QB run game, right? You're seeing things that, because again, there's still a lot of big grass out there. You're only trying to get a few yards. Arkansas also went under center one time 
and, and fake the speed option reverse out from an arcing receiver right there in 22 personnel and got an eye backfield. Well, now they, they arc that, that receiver, that, that gadget twist motion player, but they then they give the fullback dive, and now it's literally a wedge play, just like if they were running quarterback sneak. So just to say you can do one thing and spread it out, yeah, you better have your own little packages to mash it up in there. And obviously Sam Pittman's going to have that. Penn State, with Mike Yersich, you know, the biggest thing was how do you have your base offense complement what you can do in third and short? Well, sometimes it's just having a dedicated package of what does that really do that's best? I mean, you see these Penn State, I think it was the whiteout game, whoever they were playing, they were in literally a bone offense, right? Double tight, under center, wishbone. And sometimes it's just a quarterback sneak and they mash that sucker in there from the front and the back, right? Or you're getting some different triple option principles out of the backfield. They even had the, the wildcat tight end in there to add a little bit more umph in a shotgun set. So you're starting to get into these short yardage situations. But what's great about backed up in third and short is you've got grass the defense still has to cover than just that 10 yards of space in the end zone. The quarterback sneak certainly has come into play a lot more, I feel. You know, we got into the spread era. Nobody was doing quarterback sneak anymore. Everybody was in gun. They didn't even know how to get under center, it seems. But you see it making its way back in. What's interesting is, and I don't know if it was the Chiefs maybe, who I know they made it popular certainly with Kelsey, you know, going in motion, all of a sudden stopping under center and taking the snap and getting forward for the first down. So you see it at all levels now. I see it at the high school level at times that, uh, you know, maybe you have that smaller guy back there and now you take a bigger body under center just to, to get that surge forward. So a lot of different things you could do here. Again, you know, part of it's the analytics. Are we going forward on fourth? Do I have two downs? That certainly comes into play as well. And, you know, where you would think you, you know, would be punting if you're able to stop those, you're seeing it more and more that teams are going to line up and, and go at it again if they don't get it on third. Yeah, and I wasn't even thinking about that as I watched the tape and, and now taking a step back. It makes so much sense of being able to play a little bit freer in those situations because the head coach comes over, hey, you got two downs to work with here. Just just make smart, make the right decision, right? And obviously that make the right decision caveat has a lot of different asterisks, but you at least know you got some leg room and it's not all in one play. I'm just looking at the bottom of my notes for the episode, Keith, and there's two big things that come up. One is just there's a sign in the New England Patriots office when they're doing these NFL films things, and it's you know back in the day with Patricia and Judge and you know McDaniel. It just says eliminate bad football. Head coach's goal of the tw- 2009 season is to eliminate bad football. And there's a clip of Matt Castle, you know, talking with Bill Belichick of like, when's the last time an incompletion ruins your game? It's not. It's not the incompletion you can't come back from because if it is an incomplete, you're probably pumping the ball right? It's the, it's the forced throw. It's trying to do too much and you lose the ball security and, you know, just being frazzled. You know, there was another clip of the Buffalo Bills GM talking to, talking to their, you know, play-by-play guy outside of the first day of training camp. And, you know, the guy's like, Hey, why, why is the team doing third down and red zone on the first day of, of camp? And he's like, well, we talk about situational football and how important it is to be great in those areas what's more important than being sharp and and really getting out there and having that impact on the first day of camp? Like it is real. This will affect winning and losing games. So, Hey, is it cutting down on legs? Yeah. Under, you know, underhandedly it is on your script and your catapult numbers, but it's also reinforcing why third down and red zone can win you games. Well, that's our look at third down today. We're going to finish up next week 
with the scoring zone, red zone, goal line, those areas of the field there. And the following week, we're going to wrap this all up, put a bow on it in the series for the season and talk about what we have coming in the future. So, Steve, I appreciate all the time that you put into this. Watching football all weekend long, I know it was a very, very tough assignment. Sorry that you have to do all that work, but we certainly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot tougher jobs out there, Keith, so I'll keep this one and uh, it's good. I hope people are getting something out of it.